Jack's RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Max! Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello! Hello! Welcome to Season 25, Episode 17 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. And I'm Taffy. In this episode... GM Radio Rob writes in on pick-up-and-play games, or should I say, so-called pick-up-and-play games. Oh. Eric from New Jersey sends us an update and a question on difficult systems, and Davio writes in with a GM player philosophical disagreement. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We're on all of the social meteors. But first, we have a forum, happyjacksforum.com. That's happyjacksforum.com. Use that URL. We want that $5 a year. <laughs> it's a good URL. It's, yeah, it's a very good URL. And it goes right there. Yep. <laughs> uh, we ha- we're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and MeWe. HappyJacksRPG, all in word. And all of them. On all of them. Yep. And... If you want to watch the show live, go to happyjacks.org slash live at 7.10 p.m. every Friday, and you will see the show. And we'll be doing the shows all through December. Yeah. So even with the holidays, you will have us. Yes. Yay. Um, Hopefully, yay. <laughs> but, yeah, but yeah. I think so. Mm-hmm. I hope so. Pick up and play games from GM Radio Rob. Greetings, ye fun folks. Oh, wait, before we start. Oh, yeah, go. Uh, we should, uh, if you haven't done it lately, uh, please go and, uh, or if you haven't done it ever, actually, uh, to iTunes or wherever you get your local friendly podcasting um, and leave us a review. It really does, like, wonders for people dis- to discover the show. Yep. Um, and January is really a big month. People get new devices, so it's a great month for podcasts <coughs> to get new listeners. Um, so if we have a bunch of recent positive uh, reviews on the all these different uh, applications, then it really does help people find us. Um, we have recently gotten one one-star review for burping. Oh, Stewart. see, we've also Is gotten one again. No, it's we've not. also gotten one-star reviews for not enough burps. Yeah, well, those are the recent, some of my favorite. Reviews. <laughs> <laughs> the recent one was for, but um, <coughs> but yeah, we've actually been doing really well lately. Uh, we were listed. We were number four in games in Italy. So we've been in... Italia! Yeah, Italia. <laughs> and we're number seven in Mexico right now, at least on iTunes. So it's very exciting. Excellent! <laughs> so, yay! Hooray! <laughs> Come on, America! <laughs> we believe in you. And we have listeners in all continents, I believe, except Africa. I don't think we have an African. I thought we finally got one. Well, no, we got an Antarctic. No, no, I thought we finally got one in Africa, too. I don't... No. I don't think so. All right. I well, don't think so. If you are from if somewhere you, in the continent of Africa... Let us know. I believe in you. Yes. <laughs> uh, greetings. <clears throat> this is from uh, GM Radio Rob. Greetings, you fun folks. Sorry, it's getting too damn hot in sunny far north Queensland. Oh, that would be why it would be hot because yeah. it's cold as fuck here. Yeah. Well, for California. Yeah, it's like yeah. California gets just as cold. It's just a different kind of cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like. Fifty. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, at midnight. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> it's freezing. Except that literally is not. Uh, pronunciation guide for anyone uh, taking a punt at the Aussie accent. Queensland. Queensland. You did a good job of that. Well. Wow. Queensland. Yeah. Um, huh. yeah I, I the, the the Australian accent. Uh, 
the sound you use for nouns really doesn't matter. Oh, okay. That's. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Just so, just vowels. Well, but the, you, you need to use a sound, but you don't have to use the one that the vowel normally would make. <laughs> I've been studying. Um, it's kind of like how French, you just throw in a bunch of extra letters and ignore them. Right, right. Or, oh. in, or in Irish Gaelic is even worse. Oh, right. And then you ignore the letters everything. you do keep. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone just kind of stares at each other. <laughs> no, you spell, you spell Neve with an M-H. <laughs> Oh, People complain about Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been frustrated for a while with role-playing game rule sets that promote themselves as, quote, pick up and play, end quote, when, on further inspection, they're only pick up and play for those who only control one player character. An egregious example that comes to mind is the otherwise solid Atomic Robo, the role-playing game, the back cover of which touts itself as, Pick up and play gaming at its best. Get playing in 10 minutes. However, you only get as far as page 12 before the book states, shortly after assuring the players they only need to know chapter 1, and their good buddy, the Game Master, will help ev- help everything else make sense. Yeah. Quote, if you're a new GM, this is just a, the tip of the iceberg for you. You should read and get familiar with the whole book, <laughs> which in Atomic Robo's case, is 300 pages. Ah. I would not call that pick up and play. No. Uh, This idea that any game master, new or seasoned, must undertake the study of the game rules before kicking off seems a truism of the hobby. I can sort of see why. A game master has the rules, creativity, and performance workload of an individual player amplified to the power of the number of non-GM players at the table. The GM has to make sure... The multiplicity of characters, situations, and challenges they present to the players are entertaining, compelling, and are balanced between tough but fair and easy but not boring. Uh, sorry, Canada. Uh, on top of those, <laughs> as well as... Sorry, sh- one-star review guy or girl no, or person. No, no, sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> on, top of, on top of those, as well, as ensuring the game's tone... Uh, tone of... The game's tone is consistent... And each session's pace is on the exciting side of comfortable. Even web shows on how to be a game-slash-dungeon master, such as Matt Coville's, have a fundamental assumption that the watcher has already heard heard of the hobby and has enough understanding of the GM-DM role to realize how intimidating it can be. <clears throat> and is away from the group with time to watch the videos. Yet, there are some who reckon that it's possible for a gaming group completely new to the hobby can crack a starter set open and commence playing the game there and then without need of the prospective GM to grab a seat in the corner and pour over the rule book, however slim, for at least a half hour before returning with a, right, I think I've got this, what we do next is, etc. In the press surrounding the, the news that Modifius are working on a role-playing Game universe set of the home of the homeworld video game. I'm not. I don't know. I'm unfamiliar with that game. I don't play video games. Uh, um, the the publisher and assistant line editor from from Modifius. Modifius. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yeah, I think okay. it's Modifius. Instead of switching it like me, which was Mephidius. Mephidius. <laughs> I, I actually like stared at that for a long time after that one podcast where I fucked it up. Modifius. I think it's Modifius. I, it could be Modifius. Modifius. Yeah, it could be Modifius. 
start stated. <laughs> I think that's how we should pronounce it. Okay, Modifias. <laughs> yeah, Modifias stated that they wanted to ensure their starter set would allow a group to get the box at a convention and you go. We're playing this right now with no prep time at all, they claim. That's in quotes. Uh, quote, we very much also wanted the kind of develop to kind of develop something where, where actually you could kind of show the GM how it worked at the same time as the players, end quote. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, what's your thinking on this? Can such a thing be possible? What would you reckon a text should emphasize so that by the time the players have finished making characters, a completely newbie GM can kick off with a rough idea of what to introduce and how to roll with whatever the players come up with. <coughs> uh, drink till you die, or just, you know, feel a nice comfy buzz, whatever works. I'm not a quitter. Rob, <laughs> minute to win it. Uh, Rob, GM, Radio Rob on the forums, Twit, chat, Twitch, chat, Twitter, and generally everywhere else. Is there a pickup and play game? Well, if you have a module, certainly. Like, I think that's what they talk about in 5th edition. Mm. If you have a game, a module that tells you how to run the game. Right. I, I'm, I'm thinking... Then... I mean, do then those can. include all the <coughs> rules that you need to know, too? Oftentimes. Oh, okay. The Star Wars, the Edge of Empire, that series, mm-hmm. I bought all those boxed starter sets. Mm-hmm. And they have a very interesting way of introducing the rules to you. They give you a scenario, and it's very linear. Mm-hmm. They give you pre-gen characters. The GM could literally read a page, yeah. run mm-hmm. that scene, and it says, when you get to this point and there's a combat, here's how you do combat. Right. When you get to this point and, and the people need to scale the wall, here's how you do this check for climbing. Uh-huh. Right? And it introduces rules to you as you go, giving you the rules you're going to need for that specific scenario. Yeah. And it sounds that's kind of like maybe what <coughs> Modifias is trying to do with their character creation is like mm-hmm. maybe your the characters are like may have to make a few rolls for something as it goes on mm-hmm. right. and the GM might make a decision of what they're going against so that you sort of kind of play the game as you're going not like uh, in Traveler where you have a completely different game <laughs> where you might die right. Right. but m- maybe there's something like that yeah. um I don't know, like, for, for my dollars, like, it's got to be a real simple system. Because the more specific your system is for certain things, the more rules you got to learn. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I, I, this reminds me of the original, before it was Chronicles of Darkness, the New World of, the new, well, the world of Darkness book. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought that, that was probably, for, for someone who's a GM and familiar with GMing in general... Which isn't really what he's talking about. He's talking about like brand new people who've never GM'd before. Mm-hmm. But a pick up and play game for someone who is who's an experienced GM, I think that book did probably the best job of being able to 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 go from not knowing anything to being able to run the game effectively mm-hmm. very quickly. Because there was like a two page summary. Here's how the game mechanics work. And these game mechanics pretty much work for everything. Mm-hmm. Right? You may mm-hmm. need to flip through the book to find you know specifics right. or you know disciplines. But there's even no disciplines in there because that's just mortals fighting monsters, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that game that that book came pretty close to that sort of pick up and play. If you're an experienced GM, because that to me that to me is the biggest pet peeve. It's like 
I know how to GM. I know what GMing is. I know what players are supposed to do. I know what GMs are supposed to do. I, I want a, a, a good summary of what the setting is, and I want a, a summary of what the what the rules are like. Mm-hmm. Give me those two things in as few number of pages as possible. Boom. That's one of the reasons I couldn't get through Apocalypse World. Mm. Right. Because it's like... It's all conversational. Yeah. Right. It's like technical writing. <laughs> technical writing. <laughs> I love how conversational it is. That's one of my favorite <laughs> things about it. But I understand how that would be a pet peeve, especially if you're like, all right, I'm going to like bust you this book, I'm going to learn the rules, right. and I'm going to play this game. It would be nice if over it, the course of reading for a, a night... I would be able to say, okay, I can comfortably at least start running this game and then look stuff up, stuff up when I need to. Mm-hmm. But as far as as far as a brand new GM, that's a kind of a tall order. Yeah, because there's a lot to learn. You got to get your mind around how role playing games work, and especially if you've never played one before. Yeah, I mean, I think back to when we started. Game conventions were like an epiphany every time we went to one. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, we, we had our circle of players, and it's, it was all very insular. I'm talking 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. It's all very insular. You've got your gaming group, and everyone just kind of muddles through the rule book and tries to figure it out on their own, because there's no expert you can go to to ask. Mm-hmm. Then suddenly you go to a game convention, you start playing with other players, and it's like, holy shit, we've been doing combat wrong this whole time. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then it's like, oh, wow. But a, a system that would be, like, kind of plug-and-play would have a simple enough combat system that you probably couldn't fuck it up. And one would hope. Right. Hopefully. Well, those early games, they, they, yeah. that was not technical writing in almost any case. They had, they had lots of weird ideas. And, like, like none of them probably <coughs> claimed to be, pl- uh, like, just pick it up and play. Oh, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> D&D was never considered yeah. that. But no. the, D&D, the D&D starter uh-huh. box, it does a reasonably good job of introducing, like, like letting you know how things work uh-huh. as you need them. There's an old game, uh, and I think this system might have been picked up by somebody else, but I'm not sure. It's very similar to what was uh, initially used in like World of Darkness LARPing, but it was the Neverwhere system, like the mm-hmm. Neil Gaiman's like, mm-hmm. novel. Um, and it had a system that I think somebody who had maybe GM'd before a few times, um, it, it'd still be difficult for a newbie GM to just be like, to read something and immediately go. Um, but that system was like you had like a whole bunch of traits that were descriptions of you or what you could do. And uh, the the GM would set some sort of target number and you would declare how many of these traits that you think apply uh, you're going to use. And then you roll a d6 plus those number plus the number of traits and try and get over the target number. Okay. That's the entire system. <clears throat> and so, like, if you have, like, one of these traits is, like, gymnastics. Well, you can do gymnastic-y things when you mm-hmm. put that, when you apply that. Um, you could also do things like like uh, uh, divination or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very, very flexible for what type of character you want to do. All you had to do is describe what you want, and that's your character. And then uh, all the the uh, GM has to do is ascribe target numbers for everything. Mm. Um, there's a little bit with like damage and stuff, but really you could just take away traits. And when you have no more traits, then you can't do anything for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. That is something that I think could be like a plug and play kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Where the GM would have enough time to put something together for the amount of time it takes players to go like to think of what they want. Right. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, the, it, it, it's... It would be nice if games 
game books came with a like okay, every game book has a what does a role playing game? What do GMs do? What do players do? You know how how does it work? Here's a little script on what a, what a, what a role playing game might might sound uh-huh. like, right? They all have that. They all have that for the the brand new players. That's great. How about having that rule summary for people who played a lot of role playing games yeah. but just haven't played this one? Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and that that two page thing is says, well, this is a this is a d10 dice pool, uh, stat plus skill, blah 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 blah, whatever. So Here's you've me. played role-playing games before. <clears throat> right, exactly. Skip to page 200. Right. <laughs> it's all the essentials. And, then, and just give just, just the game mechanics. The fluff, obviously, you're going to read the fluff if you want to read the fluff, if you have your own ideas on what you're going to do. It's like we were, what we were talking about with Vampire 5, mm-hmm. the Anarch book and the Camarillo book. I mean, they're interesting reads, but eh, I'm going to do my own thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. It would be nice if games catered to both brand new players and experienced players and gave both of them sort of a TLDR and then then you get those edge cases then you dig into the book and find them mm-hmm. but you like reading role playing game books well yeah I, I enjoy that immensely mm-hmm. but I also can understand the frustration of <coughs> I have to read a 300 page book like reading all the stuff for my uh, Chronicles of Darkness mm-hmm. game I've got a little much. Oh sure, oh yeah, <laughs> I've got a little much. That's and like a lot of pages. Books. Yeah, that that I had to like kind of like go through, and uh, and the, yeah. one of the things that I will often do is like like if I'm, I'm running vampire and someone's going to play a Tremere, it's like you know what I haven't read the magic rules. Mm-hmm. I'm going to assign you since you're the guy who decided that. to play the yeah. <laughs> the Tremere. Yeah, you let me know how those work. Yeah. I'll read it as well, uh-huh. but I'm going to be relying on you because it's your character. Who's decided that to ent- enter these rules into this game? <laughs> yeah, it's super. It, it, it's got to be even more frustrating to pick up a book and be like, "Oh, it says on here, like I can play it." You buy it, and then it's like, "Yeah, you can be a player in a campaign if you read the first chapter. Not, you can't run the game." You know, you can be it's a player shady. in like, any game without with reading almost anything. no. <laughs> This is true. <laughs> I've had players who hadn't le- read the book at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, what do you think about games like Tin Candles and stuff? A Tin Candles is pretty close to pick up and play, but you do have to read the whole book. Yeah. And there's a lot to remember because it's it's and and you have to you almost have to have yourself a cheat sheet to know when you're gonna when the last candle goes out what happens. Yeah. And make sure you don't fuck up like I did the t- one time. <laughs> <laughs> And I would personally would categorize that not actually as a role playing game. Oh, really? I would categorize that much more as like things <coughs> like a party game or a story game or thing mm-hmm. like that, where you have a definite end to it. You have very specific rules of this happens then, yeah. this happens that, and and players are all defining the story like not through the actions of their character, but describing what happens. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, I, it's a story game. You're right. I would, I would very much describe it as, as that. Yeah. Uh, I like it, uh, that, and also Companion's Tale, they're pretty pick-up-and-go, and they're a nice middle step. Like, if you have a group who's n- that's never done role-playing before, mm-hmm. like, they're kind of like a first step for, in getting people into, like, this is where characters are. Like, this is how you kind of do that. And so um, it's like that midpoint, the, I don't know. Gateway RPG, right? Sort of thing. So those are fun too. I mean, <clears throat> especially if you're looking for something you can like, and you've played a lot of role playing games, and you're like, hey, I'm just looking for something I can run real quick. Um, those are both good options yeah. for that. It'd be nice if they had that section in the books. Like, if you played yeah. a lot of role playing games before, here's like, <laughs> yeah, shorthand information on how the system works yeah. mm-hmm. using all of the jargon most of us already know. Yeah, I will tell you in Chronicles of Darkness, here's like, okay. 
Initiative. Okay, well, let's go to the character creation. Nope, initiative isn't here. Oh, no. Where is initiative? <laughs> is it in the combat section? No. Oh, it's in, like, this character section that's over here. <laughs> what the actual fuck? <laughs> How to pick your hair color and initiative. <laughs> oh, my God. What? And it's like, yeah, something where they're all... I think we found it on a character sheet, like, that was a separate character sheet, but not the character creation section. Oh, uh-huh. Like, down at the very bottom. It's like, oh, there's initiative. Oh, right. okay, that's helpful. Um, it is nice when they put, like, the all the little cheat yeah. notes on the character sheet for yeah. you. Oh, no, if, was, you, if you know to look for them. <laughs> it was perception, that's what it was. Mm-hmm. It was perception. Okay. Like, what's perception? We don't have a perception stat anymore. Mm-hmm. Oh, they don't? What is it? It's, it's like... Fuck, I don't even remember. It's composure... <laughs> Plus wits, I think. Oh, okay. And that is, and but we kept on forgetting what it is, right? Um, and nobody wrote it down <laughs> anytime. <laughs> so just to keep finding it, and yeah, it was, it was annoying. Yeah, it was annoying. This is why also I now don't like the analog PDFs that people really like so much to play with. Analog PDFs, you, you know, that aren't searchable. You mean books? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I like searchable ones because I can search for uh, right. Uh, a thing that I'm looking for and, and go through it. Um, but like books, like I had to go through a book recently for someone's like, can you find this rule for that me? That was me and on like, Monday. Oh yeah, that's or it. Wednesday. It's like, like, hey, while we're sitting, could you look this up? And you were like, like I can't do pages? this. It, <laughs> what are these things that hurt? <laughs> There's no search for, I'm hitting I the found F. It, I found it You did. You found Where's it. the search button? The bafflement though, when you like looked at it and I handed it to you, it was amazing. And, <laughs> another, another, pet, another pet peeve, when you when you publish a book, publish. If you want to have the nice laid out book, publish the nice laid out book, and then give us like a rich text format document. Yeah. And then when you have to have a, a um, uh, what do they call it? Not addendas. Um, uh, when they, when they have to fix things. Mm-hmm. Um, what's errata. Errata. Mm-hmm. When they have errata, obviously you're going to have to pay a layout artist if you're going to be adding and subtracting paragraphs from your night pretty laid out book. But no, and if it's an RTF, it's yeah. going to update it. And if people are buying it digitally, boop, just put it up there. Mm-hmm. And then if someone wants to actually uh, can just search through that, or if they want to, they can print it out and put it in a notebook. And then when it gets updated, oh, I need to change page six. They used to do that. There was a game, uh, Starfleet Battles. I don't know if you remember Starfleet Battles. Oh, I remember. That's the one where you like roar towards each other, blast it, and then yes. like limp. And then slowly limp. away. <laughs> yes. That's the entire and then, game. Well, one person tries to limp away from the other one that's <laughs> limping slightly faster. Right. <laughs> but they had all kinds of rules changes that happened. They would add new races and then have to like change stuff to rebalance things. Mm-hmm. And they they eventually they came up with some sort of deluxe edition, and it came with a notebook, mm-hmm. and it came with a shrink wrapped pages to fill that notebook of the entire rule book. And, That's awesome. And then when they would come out with changes, or like if they added had an expansion that added a, a new a, a new you know nation or whatever mm-hmm. to the to their universe, they're about here. Here's some errata to switch out some pages, and mm-hmm. here's like the section for this the Tholians or whatever. Right. <clears throat> and that was to me that was that was brilliant. Yeah. And you can totally do that with electronic documents. I understand mm-hmm. that there's costs involved to update mm-hmm. stuff and if it's laid out. And you're not the person that laid it out. Mm-hmm. But if you just had an RTF or something like that, mm-hmm. that you could just say, you can turn it into a PDF once you're done with it. That's easy. You can just print mm-hmm. a PDF. But give them that second document so they can just have, here's the latest rules. Because it's, it's like, you know, I, I'm going through V5, and I'm, and I'm like, oh, because I 
Because the nice thing about V5, they give you the book, and then there's a download code for the PDF in the books. I love that. That's my <clears throat> and it's, it's like thing. you just go in, boop, you go up to their webpage, you get the book. And, oh, there's a, a six or eight page errata sheet. A lot of it is typos mm-hmm. and stuff like that, or, or the, mm-hmm. changing the way they phrase things to make them less gender specific. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't read the whole thing yet, but it doesn't look like there's a bunch of rules changes, but I'm sure there's some. Mm-hmm. But it's like, now it's now it, it's the same problem we had when we were running the play test for the L5R, oh, the new L5R. No. It's like, yeah. here's the rule book, and here's like this document we're updating, which is the errata. Mm-hmm. But can't you just update the rule book so yes, I can please, see it? Please, right? <laughs> you can put it in red so I know it's new. Yeah. Right. So I can focus on it. because oh, right, right. Okay, this, this is a changed. new thing. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, yeah, us flipping between like it ended up being like three or four little printed out books. Yeah, and it's like you're reading the rule book, it's like, and the, and the, it's very frustrating when you open up the rule book and you're like staring at that errata sheet from the corner of your eyes, and can I trust what I'm reading in this book right now, mm-hmm. or do you need to switch back and forth? It's extremely frustrating. Yeah. Right. Just give me the rule book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The fucker. All right. Sorry. Got off on little tangent there. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next meeting. Thank you very much, uh, Radio. Uh, GM Radio Rob yeah. for the <laughs> thought-provoking email. And yes, it's... I don't think the, the true pick-up-and-play game. Yeah, I don't know how they would possibly do that. It, it sounds like they're speaking with a little bit of hyperbole. Yes. Yeah. I well, mean, the closest thing I've seen is those starter sets. Yeah, that, well, yeah, and um, the <clears> new <throat> D&D starter set's good, and I played in the... Uh, I had someone like run for a group that had never played it, and he'd never played it. One of those Edge of the Empire mm-hmm. before I think even the book was out. They set out these like, yeah, they came out with those one little adventures. First. You print out. They even had like all the pieces and the little minis and everything. And yeah. the maps came with it and, um, and pre gens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just like we literally sat down and played. We we were all kind of familiar with RPGs, so that definitely like helped. Right. But it literally went through. It's like okay, here are the things you need to do to. Climb the wall. I don't even remember. It was years ago now. Right. But um, but I think that was the closest I'd ever been. Mm-hmm. In w- some ways, it was a little weird because it almost felt like more like playing a board game. <laughs> right. Because it was very like <clears throat> you are going from here to the other side of this map we've provided to you, and so. But I mean, it was still kind of interesting. It's like when I bought my first starter set for Warhammer 40k, which was called Blood and Honor or something like that, mm-hmm. and it came with snap together minis. Mm-hmm. They came with some Space Marines, and it and it came with some. Uh, Nurgle dudes, mm-hmm. and and then it had scenarios, and it said play the scenarios in order. Play the first scenario. Here's how combat works. Here's what you do. Roll this. Da 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 da. Pull these pieces out. Blah blah blah. And then the next scenario introduces something new, and then the next scenario introduces something else. And after you've played like five or eight scenarios, you get a pretty good handle on how the game works, and you've actually been able to play the game while yeah. you're doing it, mm-hmm. rather than just reading it. So. Yeah, <clears throat> I thought cool. that was kind of cool. Yeah, right, anyway. Nice. An update and a question about difficult systems from Eric in New Jersey. Uh, I'll do this one. Okay. Hello, Jackets, Jackers, and whatever the hell you call Tappy. <laughs> it is I, Eric from New Jersey, who writes in way too much to you. I believe at this point I am in some need of an intervention. My apologies. Please don't stop. Yeah, First, I wanted you to know that I took your suggestions to heart, and I'm trying to find adults who have disabilities to game with. My own annoying medical issues have caused this to be a bit delayed, oh, delayed a bit. But you are right in that once people are adults, they tend to be forgot, uh, they tend to be forgotten, and I don't think that's right. So here, here. this is heading back to um, people. Were, he was writing in about 
finding um, like children in hospitals and things like that that um, needed people to game with. And that was actually Tappy's really great suggestion. Like, hey, go find adults who are in hospitals or in you know care facilities and things like that because they're very often forgotten and, and, yeah. and ignored. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of connection there if you miss that. Um, second, uh, I'm having another issue that is not medical where I want you to humor me, that I want you to humor me with. I run two campaigns right now. One is an old D&D 3.5 campaign. Campaign. They are playing through the remastered version of the original Ravenloft module. It seems that a group, uh, in that group, I'm the only person to remember the original first edition module. module. Uh, I could run that in my sleep. The other campaign I have been running has gone, has gone through some changes. Originally, we started running Legend of the Five Rings. Yeah. But I had such problems <clears throat> conveying the nature of the campaign to the players in the group. I ended up writing into you about how I was running D&D with fucking Samurai. Yep. <laughs> I eventually folded that campaign never to run Legend of the Five Rings again. As, as a brief <laughs> addendum, if you run a Crab Clan-specific game going out into the Shadowlands... You can really, really play a good game of L5R that fits with the setting that you don't have to, like, worry about that stuff so much. Yeah, that's true. Like, honor is still important, <clears throat> and everything's still important, but it's a lot easier to run a, an adventuring-style game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. wants me to do air horn sounds, because I do them incredibly badly. It was a thing in our seventh veil campaign because Eli does it like perfect. He sounds just like an air horn, and I did it one time, and everyone just kind of like it was very awkward. I apologize. What's the matter? Are you cold? (laughs) By awkward, do you mean amazing? (laughs) Amazing and bad, and just yeah. I wonder if they make quiet air horns because if we had a loud air horn, it'd blow the mics out. But if we had a quiet air horn, that's what you call Kimmy. (laughs) Quiet air horn. (laughs) Just just take all the air out of it. Yeah. There you go. I'm going to do a search on Amazon. <laughs> you know what you could do? You could put it on the soundboard. Oh, that's, that's Just true. Do, but it has to be Eli doing it. Yeah, you have to, I, I told Eli we were going to eventually record him doing it. <laughs> I love you too in the chat room. All right, sorry. Um, oh, 139 decibels? No, that's a little loud. That's a lot. <laughs> 150 decibels. Nope, nope. Nope, we're done. Okay. The other campaign... Oh, no, yeah. Uh, never to run Legend of the Five Rings again. Next was masks, which went pretty well. The one hero, uh, uh, the one hero has a clockwork computer that displays on a mirror. The computer is actually run by an alcoholic gnome named Larry. That's amazing. Oh, Larry, Larry and his fellow gnomes are under the dashboard, so to speak. That ran for the length I wanted it to before it was time to move on to something else. Hell, I ran one PBTA game, so why not another? Because after Jib's Masks game, my favorite AP was Anub's Monster of the Week. The latter seemed like a natural choice. The problem I've been encountering is much like Legend of the Five Rings. I don't seem to be comprehending the system completely. People have been helping out on the forums, including Adam, but I feel absolutely embarrassed to even ask for help. Uh, I should be getting this, shouldn't I? My question for you is simple. Have you ever had systems that are good systems, but you just had trouble comprehending them? If so, did you give up, or what did you do to help you comprehend the system? That's pretty much it. As always, stay drunk, stay diverse, and may uh, may the dice always roll in your favor. I think you are a good influence in the gaming community, and and I always try to recommend friends to you. Cheers! Eric from New Jersey. P.S. Beer recommendation! Innis and Gun, spelled with two N's. Gunnan. Gunnan. 
which is a craft beer brewer out of Scotland, I believe, is amazing. Oh, they spell with two ends because they don't have guns there. Oh. <laughs> they have beers aged in bourbon barrels that are delicious. Highly recommended. I've been drinking them for years since first encountering them in New York City. Nice. Thank you, Eric from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Excellent. <clears throat> yeah, I 100% have run games that I did not get. <laughs> no, I've never had that. It's <laughs> <laughs> never happened. By the time I run a game, like, I've run it so many times. I, he, he's not really... What, what, he doesn't really say specifically what he's not getting. I, I think one thing about when you're trying to comprehend a system is you're, what I try to do, what I like to do, is like, okay, what is the system kind of leading me to do what is like the kind of mouthfeel of this mm-hmm. like where it's like masks it is leading you to be like you know a teenager to take risks because there's not much you're not going to die yeah and you sh- and that you don't kill people and so there's this the the game and the the moves are kind of set up for you to uh kind of play in this sort of like uh, devil may care, but also just kind of like happy-go-lucky sort of way, because mm-hmm. then you get crushed when bad things happen, when you start having drama, when you're all of that, and and that's what the, that's kind of like the the sort of mouthfeel of that game, yeah. As opposed to Monster of the Week, which is much more like sort of like Buffy or like X Files ish, X Files ish, and so once you start looking at oh, it's leading me me down down this direction, mm-hmm. where you know. There's fighting, but also it's a monster of the week. You mm-hmm. need to get that thing and kill it by the end of the session. Yeah. So there's actually a little more like frenetic energy, I think, for both the GM and the players mm-hmm. to kind of get to that point because you all know that that's sort of like how the game works. Mm-hmm. But if you're a GM and you're not running it like that, if you're not running it as there is going to be a monster at the end of this that you guys are going to have to take down, I think it can become very confusing of like what's what's the point? What, why am I doing this? Or how do I set these things up? Um, I know you've been getting some like great advice in the forums. I've been like checking in there. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I haven't run Monster of the Week when I've played Monster of the Week and I've played a couple like short campaigns offline and stuff that um, that same thing, like if they, one of them, they didn't really do the monster every week. And you can have like, like if you're watching X-Files, like they do their case every week, but there's also like an overarching story in the background with like a mastermind behind whatever. So like, if you're like, you have to have kind of, you can, you definitely have to have the monster of the week component. If you want like an overarching story, that can be a thing too. Um, But don't make the overarching story the main focus and not, and give up the monster of the week. Otherwise you're giving up kind of the the feel of it. So, Mm -hmm. and also just sort of like what the, the whole mechanics are designed to push you towards. Yeah. Like, L5R is a kind of interesting thing because I think a mixed campaign is a bad idea with different clans. Yeah. I don't think it works. Mm-hmm. It'd be hard. And so I when, concur. when you <laughs> choose each different clan, you're choosing a different thing that people are moving towards. Right. Um, and I think that helps a lot with trying to wrap people's heads around and trying to let the players wrap their heads around what's happening. Mm-hmm. Like, here's we're going to play a Crane Clan game. Here's all this stuff about, you know... Uh, the courts and how politics work and stuff like that. Yeah, and you you kind of prep them on it and dueling and dueling, right? Yeah. But and that's what you focus mm-hmm. on, and you have a great mm-hmm. crane game. But like if you focus on just combat or fighting, and then try and play a a crane game, 
that's it's, yeah. it's going to be you're not going to get it right. You know, I wonder if that's why so many L5R games end up being D&D with samurai swords is because the players end up mistaking the clans for classes. Yes. Possibly. I think that could be part of it. I think that might be kind of the foundation of his question here too. It's not so much that he like reads the book and doesn't get what the system's supposed to be about, but it's hard there's a difference between knowing what the system's supposed to feel like and getting that feel when you're running the game. Because mm-hmm. that's what it sounds like happened with L five R is that um, like they had a really good idea of kind of like how L five works and had listened to it and all these things. But like when it comes to getting the players to feel that and match that that it kind of went off the rails there. Right. So I'm wondering if that's more the feeling well, of the question there. Well, one of the one of the things we did with our L5R game, especially early on, is I had a chart up. Yeah. Here are the tenets of, of Bushido. Yeah. These are the these are the, the ideals that your character lives by. Yeah. And it, and everyone would like sit there and go, oh, "What are we going to do?" And we'd look at it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of reinforces cuz one of the things Tyler always called L5R the, the game where everyone plays paladins. Yeah. And that kind of is. Yeah. You're all playing characters that have a certain level of honor and a certain code that they're expected to follow. No magic. That, well, some people have magic, but Right, not but, but there's... And there's... And, and you're going to emphasize one tenant over another one? Yeah, I mean, the Scorpion game that right. we played, that was, those were not paladins. No. But... Like super suit, there one character decided to turn on the clan. We just murdered the hell out of her because, mm-hmm. like, that's not what you do, especially in the Scorpion. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's there's a code that everybody lives by, and all yeah. the clans have different codes. Mm-hmm. But once you focus on them and kind of learn them, it really helps get you in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Right, and I wonder if that's the problem he's having because he he mentioned specifically he's not comprehending the system completely. But I wonder if the system because. How much different is... Because I've never played Monster of the Week, but how much different is Monster of the Week from other PBTA hacks? It's one that has a... Uh, it has a lot more rules and stuff. Oh, it does. Okay. It, it kind of... I think it feels to me like somebody took PBTA and was like, well, I want to add, like... Because uh, each character sheet is... I think it's like two pages, but they all have, like, super unique stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so somebody, like, tried to cram a bunch of, like traditional role-playing game concepts into, like, the PBTA mold. Okay. And it, it works when you have a, that very simple uh, sort of, mm-hmm. like, Monster of the Week concept mm-hmm. going over and over again. But I think it's really easy for it to go off the rails mm-hmm. because there's so much kind of extra stuff. Okay. Um, like, how they... There's a, there's a bunch of spellcasters in it. Everybody can do magic. Mm-hmm. Um... It, super it's fun. very easy. It's it's super fun, but it's really easy. If I like, everyone can everyone like intrinsically can do magic. Yes. Like if you find a spell, anyone can read it. No, you can all just do big magic. You go. I want to do big magic on this. It's, it costs you though. Oh, okay. yeah. Like you lose a giant chunk of your soul or whatever the deal. I don't remember exactly how it works. We had a character do it one time because my character uh, uh, in that game was like tied to a demon. So it's like I can do magic and like not die. And then at one point, somebody else, I don't remember who or why, because it was a while ago now, like, cast big magic at one point, and it was it was not good or easy okay. for them. <laughs> it, didn't, it, didn't, it didn't work out well. well I can um, see if you're tied to a demon and you're doing big magic, the demon might want something later. Oh, no, that's 100% what yeah. it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, for sure. But someone else who wasn't, like, it was just a mortal or something. The mundane or something. I forget what the, play, the playbook yeah. is called. But, um, yeah, I, I think um, it, it sounds to me 
because it's I, I I think that Eric is playing with the same group of people. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me like you are pushing up against very ingrained D and D habits in the same party, possibly mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. Be. Yeah. they are playing all these games <laughs> and they are coming at them from the same historical point of view of what a role-playing game is for D&D. So it's hard for them to suddenly switch and think of uh, L5R being very different, even though, hey, yeah, we still roll dice and stuff. Like, the goal of that game is very different than D&D. D&D, generally, when you break it down, is kill stuff and get stuff. Um, and then, yeah, when Monster of the Week, that's very different. Like, especially with something like Tappy was describing, is so episodic. Mm-hmm. Like, that's very different than most D&D campaigns where you're settled in for, we're going to do, like, we're going to get to point A by the end of our first session. And then we don't mm-hmm. expect to actually fight the big bad until, like, a million sessions in or whatever. So I, I feel like that might be your biggest challenge here, more than you not getting the system, is pulling your players, even if they might, like in their brains now, like, their hearts are still locked in D&D mode. So finding a way. I think you're 100% right. Yeah. It's especially in the difference between Masks and Monster of the Week. Because mm-hmm. Masks really is, like, you don't have guns and stuff. You don't have yeah. all these trappings that you're used to having in, like, a D&D campaign. Mm-hmm. But you do have, like, superpowers, but there aren't any real rules for it. You just can do them. Yeah. Um, but when you get back to Monster of the Week, then you have these things you're used to. This this is the combat magic user. This is like the uh, uh, the the fighter mm-hmm. paladin type character. This is like the the one who knows it. There's like more of the uh, rogue type character, and yeah. you you fall into those tropes and follow those things, even though it's a very different style game. Yeah, yeah. So I think that might be what you're pushing up against, Eric. Um, I don't know 100% how to get <laughs> how to help them break it. Uh, find more games like maybe like Masks for a while, and ha- like when you're doing your session zero, like really talk to them about that. Like, yeah. hey, this is something I've noticed. How about a palate cleanser? Yeah, ten candles. D and D players playing ten candles. There you go. Are g- it's totally counterintuitive. Mm-hmm. You're not killing things and taking it stuff. You're being killed. Yeah. And you're going to. Yeah. Right. You're going to, quote unquote, lose. And maybe kind of break that mindset and say, hey, look, you can have fun doing something other than killing monsters and taking their mm-hmm. shit. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Something to sort of like really totally break their mindset as to what a role playing game is. And then, like, like because 10 candles need it, polar opposites. Mm hmm. And then go out and find something else that's a more subtle shade of role-playing game, like yeah. an L5R or, or a PBTA hack or something like that. And then maybe having seen, okay, we can have fun when we're in a game where we're just being hunted down and murdered. Mm-hmm. Let's see what else there is out there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, maybe? And, yeah, and start start a, a new system with, this is how this is different than D&D. This is how the expectations are different than in D&D. Right. Like laser ponies. Laser, yeah, do laser <laughs> ponies. That would be amazing. That would be very good, actually. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I feel like that might be... Because I've seen the advice people have been giving you on the forums, and like it's really good advice, and you ask good questions back, and it seems to be... I, 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 do, I feel like it's not you not understanding the system. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. I think, like many things in here, there's often, like, GM questions, like, how do I be a good GM... And uh, something something we don't, people don't talk about a lot is how to be a good player. Yeah. Because players just show up and like do they yeah. do their thing. 
and uh, I think you can really learn how to be a better player to make things easier on your GM, more fun for you, and more fun for the other people at your table. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of which, yeah. when GMs and players want different things from Davio, mm-hmm. thank you, Eric. Uh, Erica also in the chat room suggested uh, the new Tome of Mysteries book for Monster of the Week, which is about investigations that don't necessarily involve monsters. So if you want to play more like Eureka than X-Files, that's a mm-hmm. uh, book you can get if you're interested in trying a campaign that's more like that. The real monster was math homework. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> How to be a good GM. Give a damn and do your best. Savage stalker of the hill people. That's a good quote. I need that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> right. Give a damn and do your best. Okay. <laughs> all right. Um, when GMs and players want different things. All right. This I came be- up with that title because he's had other things in here, but that's oh, kind it. of the gist of it, at least right. what I got from skimming it. Got it. All right. um, I want it to be something else like the entire it thing. It might be. <laughs> That'd be amazing. It might be. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> hey, folks, let's get it out of the way and go drink. Hey. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. Yeah, you're gonna get the uh, get to the last email. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm gonna slow down. Well, you can, but then it's uh, longer till you drink. Yeah, I've got a few things I wanted to write about. Though, first, how quote horror end quote are the horror stories you are willing to go with? I've got some doozies, and I wanted to make sure I don't step over the Happy Jack's line of proprietary. Okay, I'll give you a little advice. <clears throat> we have... I, I, use, I, I, I don't pre-read all of the emails. I usually sort of skim through them and say, yeah, this is interesting. Because very often... Like this time, I tried to theme everything because you'll see there's kind of a thread to the emails a little bit. But sometimes I'll get things that are very contrasty. And But earlier, I would just... Here's five emails. We're gonna, these ones we're going to read. Here's five emails. These ones we're going to read. And we got some horrific horror stories. We did. People just being awful people to each other. Yeah, terrible. And that, well, there's a certain Schadenfreude. Is that how it's pronounced? I forgot. Is it Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude, yeah. Okay. That's it. There's a certain, uh, of watching the misery of people. Um, It doesn't really help anyone play role-playing games better. Right. Mm -hmm. So really, the best horror stories are the ones where, I mean, bad GMs, Mm -hmm. bad players... People being disruptive at the table, but not being horrible people to each other. Yeah, that's that. I guess that's the line. I guess that's the line yeah. that I mm-hmm. look at when I look at horror stories. If someone is that literally committing a crime, mm-hmm. eh, no, yeah, really. I mean, if that's sort of like a side sidebar yeah. anecdote to the mm-hmm. to the the horror story, but the best horror stories and it seems the ones that, that are most well received are the horror stories yeah. that have some sort of lesson for a GM or a player. I was like, this is uh, this is a what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> so that's that's my guideline. But if you want to send me one, g- give me like a little. Uh, I wouldn't say trigger warning, but like a like a MPAA. Please read this entire email before putting it on no, the. <laughs> no, no, MPAA warning. This email contains blah 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 okay. and blah. Right. Put the, all those things at the top. I'll go and say nope. Yeah. I don't even have to read it. I don't have to read the three-page email because it's got that. Yeah. <laughs> this, this page contains... What? Why are they, like, jet skiing? <laughs> I don't All understand. Right. I thought they were role-playing. Is there consent? All right, fine. <laughs> so, so we have but enough then again, <laughs> then again, you get the, you get the one where, where the, the, you had the, the GM and their spouse were into BDSM, and they were each portraying 
other people's player characters in some sort of thing when the, the players, the rest of the players showed up for the game. And, and that one, yeah, you just send things like that. That's fine. <laughs> That's pretty fun. <laughs> oh my god. So the more, but that's yeah, you, full of consent, are, yeah. except for the you know the players whose characters they're portraying what really you, aren't. But. Is that my is that my gnome? <laughs> what? Are you, what? Why? Gnome? Yeah. Why, are you, why are you wearing my gnome hat? No. We have enough morals that we What's want there stain? to be morals to your, the emails, and the moral of that is set your reminders on your calendar to ding before your game starts, right. so you're not in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> and lock your door. Yes. I'm sure it was intentional. I'm, I'm, I'm sure some sort some of sort of part of that. Two yeah. sex dungeons things in the sex dungeon. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the living room. How many times do I have to say this? Well, Tappy, on some days it's D and D dungeon, and some days it's the other dungeon. You have to multi-use your space. Sorry. All right, let's continue. <laughs> And fucking food. Stories about uh, people fucking food for experience points is hysterical. <laughs> oh, the cheeseburger story. The cheeseburger story. Oh, yeah, that was great. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, the old days. Yeah. Uh, and people are like, why don't you put up all the old episodes? <laughs> I don't know. Gee, <laughs> no idea. <laughs> we need like a cheeseburger merit badge that will give people. No, we don't need that at all. Because <laughs> no. people do think for merit badges way more than they'll do it for money. <laughs> all right. Oh, that was a bad we have idea. Different merit badges with different kinds of food on them. <laughs> So when GMs and players want different things. <laughs> oh, durian. You got the durian merit badge. Oh, man. Oh. I was wondering that as well. Debut. Oh, so okay. here we go. Malort merit badge. <laughs> we did. Malort uh, merit badge. <laughs> there really should be a malort merit badge. should. It's like survival, survival badge. You fucked a bottle of malort? <laughs> no. Yeah. We didn't die. All right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, line of propriety. <laughs> see, you can see our line of proprietary okay, right now. Uh, propriety, <laughs> not proprietary. Uh, my favorite was the vampire LARP, where we found out we had a small core of players who actually thought they were vampire spirits Ooh. and assaulted another player to activate their blood. Powers. Oh, for Christ's oh, sake! Jesus. Lo, there were many banning of players upon those days. Yeah, of course. Yeah, good. Um, huh. You know, there are people who are in on the joke, and then there are people who are, are the, the joke. joke. Yes. <laughs> um. Uh. Second, uh, there used to be a great vampire club in L.A., like a goth industrial like vampire club. But mm-hmm. there are people who would go there who be were super into being vampires. Oh, uh, like into like, blood play and shit. Uh, uh. Or or just really honest to God, like thought or thought they could find there like a vampire, oh. etc. It's like they wow, play, like played too many times. Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Second, I have a player who I feel like I'm at an impasse with. I've noticed he likes winning. He doesn't care for ambiguity, and if there's any moral quandary, he gets pissy the entire night. For example, he has decided to help one tribe o- tribe over the other. The fact is, the other tribe wasn't, quote, evil, end quote, and actually had a valid concern. Caused a major issue at the game, uh, as he felt that it went against his concept of his decisions. Oh, like, no, they're not really evil. Yes, they're evil! Because I don't do bad things. Mm. Right. Uh, I mostly adapt and roll with the person and move on. 
However, most recently, he wrote up a character with amnesia. No concept of memory for maybe a year before, uh, maybe a year before the game started. We had a session where I implied that he had made a devil's bargain with a fae before, and it had gone, and it ground the game to a halt as the player said he didn't like it. Fair enough. I left wiggle room in the fae in question uh, that the fae in question was pulling a Dresden mm-hmm. uh, and was lying without lying. I talked to the player after the session, and he said. And asked what he would like to happen, trying to respect boundaries, and I got a non-committal, uh, I don't know, you're ST, you figure it out. What the fuck? <laughs> but saying he didn't want anything that disadvantaged him. <laughs> well, he knows what he wants, sort of. Hmm. <laughs> Uh, it feels like the player is not respecting the story and energy I'm putting into the game. I'm willing to flex and change things for folks' boundaries slash triggers, but when I can't get even the most basic of contributions, but know that the player will flip their shit if I do something they don't like, is exhausting. Yeah. I just feel like you need to let me know something beforehand, or at least do the basics of coming up with your own character concept before forcing me to do it with you. Yeah. Bleh. Speaking of which, I need to go prep for the game in question. I'm finding myself kind of dreading doing anything at all with the player or his character at this point, and just trying to keep the campaign going uh, at this point until a resolution. Oof. I'm sorry. That I think that's your best course of action in this case. I don't think you're going to win. No. Uh-uh. The player's going to win, but you're not going to win. <laughs> I don't... And this, Unless you sit down and say, hey, okay, look, here's the conundrum I'm having. I want to give you an interesting story with interesting choices and conflicts and consequences because in good stories, characters that make decisions also have to deal with consequences. Uh Uh-huh. But you've got to give me some kind of idea of... I mean, saying... I mean, he basically saying, I don't want anything bad to happen to my character. Yeah. And I suppose... Wow, I mean... Cool, then we're done. Yeah. Excellent. Your character survives. Okay, you retire and go do a bar, and the rest of the rules will be playing. Um, And and, and honestly, maybe in this situation, because I mean, we always talk about having an adult conversation, but there's a lot of people you can have adult conversations with, right? Mm -hmm. And this kind of sounds, you know, this. I don't know. You're the storyteller. You figure it out. Mm -hmm. You figure out what I want. Yeah, can give me exactly what it is, or I'm going to make your game miserable. You're not even that person. This is like, I mean, (laughs) we always talk about how players come in with far less time invested in a game than the GM does, and that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. It's not a complaint. It's just a reality. This guy is coming in with even less skin in the game than a typical player. Yeah. By an order of magnitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't like this. Well, what do you want? I don't know. You figure it out. Yeah. But not that. But not that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like trying to feed a toddler. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've, I've had no. a, a player in a game create a character where there's really only, like, one kind of like struggle in the background like one thing the character actually cares about Mm -hmm. so I put that in Mm -hmm. and then two games before the end of the session I find out that the person hates all of that and it's like why did you put any of that in well because that's your character that's what you wanted that's what you wanted because that's what your character that's the conflict in your character if you if you don't have any conflict in your character you don't have anything to do 
And no, you can conflict be awesome, Tappy. You can always win and be awesome and right. never have anything bad happen. Right. Oh, my God. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it, this, if it, it, it sounds like he's just wants to get to the end of the game. And at that point, I would just say, you know what? Just, just when, when, when you have moral quandaries and things happen, just have them happen to other characters, and they'll have a better, they'll have a, a grand time with it. Yeah. And then just get to the end of that fucking game. <laughs> you know, I had a lot of moral quandaries I tried to do in my World of Darkness game, mm-hmm. and it was awesome having Sam in there who had no moral quandary whatsoever. None. It was awesome. Yeah. And she just waltzed through, not being bad, not being like good or anything just being her character yeah and just like well i guess i'm just gonna throw all this more quantity shit away yeah <laughs> you she's sh- like an actual fae <laughs> like she's like oh no i want that no i don't want that and you're just like i love everything about you that was kind of horrible but you're great <laughs> so good. the the when she played the toreador in our oh. vampire game yeah i gave I created a character specifically because she was very much like all. She was a fashion designer, right? Mm-hmm. And and ran this big design firm and all this shit. And I specifically put a character in there with like five points of true faith, mm-hmm. knowing that at some point she was going to. Uh, what, what, what's the what's blue Ospex. steel? Ospex. Okay, we she was gonna, it blue steel. She was gonna. She was gonna <laughs> cast Ospex on 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 him. <laughs> You call it blue steel? Yeah, of course. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> it was her first ever big campaign, and it it, it sealed the deal for oh, Samantha yeah. forever to be amazing. So she she casts Auspex on this guy. And I don't know if you know ever read that section in the old Willow Dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This person has this golden glowing aura, uh-huh. and. It, you know, it, the monster within you is suddenly filled, or you are suddenly filled with self hatred because you've seen the beauty that you can never be. And she leaned into that shit and ended yeah, up did. murdering him, <laughs> making necklaces. She actually gave people necklaces of yeah. his finger bones yeah. and turned his skull into a clutch. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, so good. And so that was so cool. She actually showed up with like finger bone necklaces that we all really wear. So I still wear mine in Halloween. It's awesome. That's so cool. <laughs> but I mean, I mean, if you've got a player who doesn't want that, I mean, it's not hard to ignore a player. No. No. If they're not, if they don't want the the moral quandaries, you can give them to other players. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If they if they start getting what what may happen with what little I know about this person, they may end up kind of becoming disruptive, mm-hmm. and because they you don't want to ignore them, but don't give them the really meaty role playing game stuff. Give them basic, simple things. Mm-hmm. Give them quests. Like, like Here's if you a have, guy with an exclamation point over his head. Go talk to him. If you have like a drunk guy at your table at a con, you're like, oh yeah, roll some dice. Oh, you do great stuff, and then you exactly. <laughs> I've had those players. People. I've had players who like they want to be they want to be the, the 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 perfect character that has no flaws and everything goes great for them. Yeah, but usually that's like your very first game ever, and then you get over that. Usually, usually. but not always. <laughs> but you also can't fix everyone. Yeah, I mean. Get to the end of the game. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you do? Okay. Go buy a video game. And because it sounds like this is what this person wants. Put a little post-it note in it that says, don't come back. <laughs> Put it in there. Wrap it like a present. Give it to them. They will open it. Be like, oh, thank you so much. And then they'll take it home. They'll open it. 
they will never, they won't come back to your game, and they'll get the experience they really wanted in the first place anyway. <laughs> which is unless, which is a yeah. video game. W- unless their character dies, then they're gonna rage quit the game too. Yeah, that's fine. Uh. Yeah, just murder. Them. But I mean, you can you can ignore some, you can ignore yeah, yeah. them, and just they got, so they want a certain thing. You give them the certain. It's like having different kinds of players at the table. Some players want to want to play social characters and talk their way out of everything. Mm-hmm. Some players in, really enjoy combat and want to fight stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You give a balance. You give, you give the players that want this, this. You give the players that want that, that. Yeah. This, I think, is pretty much the same thing. But the, you want to get to the end of that game and then not invite them back to the next game. Because it sounds like this guy's you want to, yeah. Ass. And, and, but it, I, like, if, it, it sounds like, like, if he's just, like, pouting and, like, no, it doesn't really affect play, like, keep going. If they are, like, major, passive, aggressive, upset, and, like, flooding the ha- table. totally could happen. Yeah, then, then definitely, like... Like face face it, try and have an adult conversation. If it goes poorly, then just be like, you know, maybe this isn't a game for you. Like, but do it in a way that's like, like, hey, I've been doing my best, and this is making it not fun for me to run the game. Which it should be fun for me too, even though I'm the storyteller. And you know what? I'm coming to believe that as a GM, you really need to protect your source of fun in a game. Hundred percent. Because if you don't. That's the easiest way for a game to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why I wrote a whole article once. I don't remember where it is now, but on finding your fun as a GM. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are the things that you like doing as a GM? Mm-hmm. Concentrate on those things. Yeah. You know, if you like coming up with NPCs, you, it, you, know, you know, a couple hours before the game, sit down and come up with some really cool, interesting, really full of depth NPCs. Mm-hmm. Introduce them to the party. They'll interact with them. You're having fun seeing your creations come out and come to life. You know, if you like world building. Make sure your game has a lot of travel in it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and it, I mean, you, you got to keep, you got to protect your source of fun in the game. If you don't, your game is going to die. Because a GM who's mm-hmm. just just phoning it in because he's tired and he's done with the game, I mean, there, there, there's very little drive to keep it going. Yeah, yeah. And then the players who are having fun, you're kind of doing a disservice to them as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could be also like. I know this goes back to, like, having an adult conversation. Like, maybe there's other stuff. Like, you know this player much more than we do. Like, if this seems to be, like, a recent thing, then maybe shit's going on in his life. He doesn't want a bunch of drama in the role-playing game at the moment, which I 100% can understand. Um, Oh, sure. You know? So if this is, like, like a recent change, or if they've always been this way, like, handle that two different ways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or... You could lean in the consequences hard and get him to rage quit. Because, <laughs> like, again, in, in uh, the World of Darkness game, that or the Chronicles of Darkness yeah. game, um, had a character, like, pull out some crazy bullshit in the underworld. And I'm like, okay, well, it's now a zombie apocalypse. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, you did a thing, yep. and and now these are the consequences. Yeah. This is what happens now. If We've completely changed the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, here we go. We're yeah. now playing this other game. This other game, yeah. <laughs> I have fun doing that. I thought that was right. great. Yeah. Um, you know, and my players weren't, like, being like this and nobody rage quit. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, <coughs> just give them, give them consequences. Give you know, I had, a, I had a thing like that happen in the Eldemy game, the very first Eldemy game we ran. Because there was a... There, there, they had found... The, the, they had these mirrors with the, this little holder thing. And there were these glass orbs. You could put it in the, there, oh, yeah. and you could walk through the mirror, and it would go to wherever, whatever mirror that orb That's was programmed right. for. And no one knew where all the mirrors were, but mm-hmm. there, at some point in 
distant history, there'd been a whole bunch of them, and they used them to travel. Mm-hmm. So someone, one of the player characters got one that was, like, cracked, and it was, like, sparking. And they're like, let's try it, see what happens. And it moved, remember that? And I it, do. And it moved them back <laughs> in time. Yeah. It moved them through time <laughs> yes. to that mirror, but not in the current time they were timeline they were in. It I moved them that. in the distant past, and once they get to the distant past, I think the same play- character did something that monumentally changed yes. <laughs> the course of history. <laughs> yeah. So when the party goes back to the original time, it's like they're they're in the middle of like a fucking demon apocalypse. Yeah, <laughs> it was amazing. You do, but I looked around the table and I saw all the players are like. Oh shit! And it's like all these players had had developed NPCs in this world who are now very likely all dead or never were born. Yeah, uh-huh. and and all of the stuff. And, <laughs> and and I ended up giving them an opportunity to kind of go back and set things right. Yes, which they did. We did, but they only did like half a session in this. Oh, you're way thing. nicer than than me. Right, but that was because there were a lot of players were like very crestfallen at what had happened. I'm like, I can't kill everyone's fun. Because That's of true. one player's love of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. And plus, I had zero prep <laughs> for a fucking Redeem. demon apocalypse world. I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourselves and all my prep. Either that, or we're going to end the session early, and I'm going to work my ass off during the next week to figure out what this world is like now. So. It's very good. All right. So I, I think, feel like we would react very differently to that all these years later. Oh, yeah, probably. Yes, yeah. We would have been like, yeah, very, very different All right. group of players. Oh, my whole family's dead. I'm so upset. Like, oh yeah, I think we would lean into that shit now. Well, you, you've got, I think you've got several <laughs> options mm-hmm. to choose. Let uh, us know what you choose and yeah. what happens. One more uh, master bidder in the chat room says, check with the other players and see if his attitude is bothering them. If not, then yeah, just give them stuff to kill. Like, yeah. Like, don't create drama if you can play around them yeah. and, and it's not bothering other people's fun then eh. if it is you kind of have to deal with it though yeah yeah. in one way or another or yeah. end the game and then, then just say you know what oh scheduling conflict you need to enunciate <coughs> Master Vader Master Vader oh I'm sorry <laughs> like the, the Star Wars guy And oh no it's Master Vader oh Vader yeah sorry okay well that's or yes, Master Vidal uh, a lot more it sounded, it sounded like something else oh, okay sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. alright that's and it you can not I yeah, mean you yeah, can yeah, just call him that yeah it's funny <coughs> well, we're done. Who was that? <laughs> Davio, thank you for the email. Yes, Davio. thank you. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna kill it. Cool. All right, do it. Thank you for joining us for season 25, episode 17 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. And this is Happy. And we'll see you next week, 8, 7 p.m., 7, oh, 8 p.m. Pacific time, I'm es- estimating. Uh, on Friday, happyjacks.org slash live. You can watch the show live and see our faces. Yeah. Happyjacks.org slash schedule to see when we're playing everything live. <coughs> and happyjacks.org slash shows to see all the shows that we have available. Yep. Oh, and this Sunday, Session Zero, Vampire 5 campaign. Yeah. The Glittering Night. Yeah. And uh, that's it. Thank you very much. We'll leave you with a song. Oh, happy jacks are patron saint of the skillful game master. Oh, guide us well with yes ending to avert a disaster. Whether fate or gurps or myth. 
Skeptic Hacks, fellow listeners and every host will always have our backs. Unless you're playing D&D and then they'll give you crap. Well, old Jack Creek, he brews a brown ale. Don't say that re-brewing man. Every fortnight without fail We owe our cup to the brewing man A hearty brew with flavor sweet Raise a toast to the brewing man And with a smile each glass I greet God save every brewing man Beer in belly and cup in hand God save every brewing man For the crazy Scotsman down the way God save every brewing man Through the batch with a bale of hay We owe our cup to the brewing man He wears a skirt Plays a pipe, plays a toast to the brewing man. But his ale's damn tasty when it's ripe. God save every brewing man, beer in belly and cup in hand. God save every brewing man. Well, happy Jackie brews strong beer. God save every brewing man. It looks like violence smells quite queer. We owe our cup to the brewing man. I had a sip, my stomach too soon. Plays a toast to the brewing man. When I barfed it up, the taste improved. God save every brewing man. Beer in belly and cup in hand. God save every brewing man. Now to all you drinkers, hear this song. God save every brewing man. The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.